Welcome to the Sensibly Speaking Podcast. This is Chris Shelton, your host. Thank you very much for inviting me into your home again this week. I'm happy to be here. This week, we are going to take a look at Catholicism, and we're going to take a look at maybe how groups that are that, that I would not necessarily call worldwide, international, destructive cults, yet, yet... There can be situations of abuse, rampant abuse. There can be criminal activities going on in an organization without it necessarily having to be a destructive cult per se. And people can grow up or be involved in these groups and have incredibly negative experiences and carry even lifelong trauma as a result of their experiences. And that deserves to be looked at because there is this thing called spiritual abuse or spiritual trauma or religious trauma. And this is a real thing. And uh, and it happens in the world and it happens far too often. So uh, on that note, this week, I am welcoming guest Anthony Spurgeon. Hi, Anthony. Welcome to my show. Hello. Hi. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Great to be here. Yes. Nice to have you. Now, you've reached out to me because you have a story to tell about your upbringing and about Catholicism and the influence it had on your life. Am I am I tracking with that properly? Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I would like to, the only thing I'll say there is that uh, the, the distinction I'll be making here is traditional Catholicism, which you could call called they call themselves tradies. Uh, tradies. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. So um, that that is a flavor and style and experience of Catholicism that is very, very different um, from the modern mainstream um, experience of Catholicism. However, the experience I had was what Catholicism was for most of its existence, basically up until the 1960s. Right. So in other words, we're talking about the uh, change of Vatican II. Exactly. Yes. Okay. The change in Vatican II was um, a huge deal in the in the Catholic Church, and it split it into two kind of factions, basically. You could think of as the the mainstream, uh, your average Catholics, such as the current uh, president of the United States, um, and he is definitely a, a, a an average, average Joe kind of Catholic, you know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, but uh, but you also have the uh, the trad the traditional Catholics who did not like what happened at Vatican II, and for all intents and purposes, reject uh, what was done there and want to keep doing things uh, pretty much exactly the same way. Okay, I get it. I get that. So I guess then um, that this is more in reference to the Catholicism that my mother grew up with and which she actually has told me a few times impelled her into Scientology because she had such a negative reaction to her upbringing and to the the belief set that was forced on her and the way that it was that it, you know that it manifested in her life and she was a she was the the oldest of nine children big catholic family midwest yep. traditional like hardcore and she went to catholic school 
Uh, she went to Catholic nursing school. So she was quite tied in with that. And, and her whole attitude coming out of that was, yeah, that was not a, that was not a positive experience for me. So what decade are we talking about here? Is this like the forties? Well, I'm born in the fifties, I think, but she certainly grew up in the, through the fifties and sixties with this. Yeah. Pre, pre the Vatican two thing, which was what? 62, 64. Yeah, early 60s. Yeah, I believe it yeah. started in 62, I think. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's go ahead. So I'm just, I'm just offering that as a, you know, from my own personal experience, like this has even touched my life uh, with my mom. Uh, and, and like I said, she wasn't even like shy about it. It was like, yeah, no, that was just awful. So what was your experience of this trad cat thing, this traditional Catholicism uh, experience for you? Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I'll just set the stage real quick. Uh, I was uh, born in Dallas, uh, Texas in 96 and grew up in a suburb of Dallas called Irving. Um, Irving has a few uh, distinctions in that um, it's where the, the, the Cowboys used to play. And uh, I actually watched the the, sta- the old stadium uh, implode. They, blew, they sort of like bombed it and imploded it. So watching a football stadium collapse was a pretty interesting experience. And uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, the assassin of President Kennedy, lived in Irving for a little while. Um, uh, And also, um, it it seems to have uh, a lot of of cults represented here. Uh, We've got the the Dallas Scientology building is in Irving. Um, I could literally walk right now from where I'm at to um, a unification church uh, center. Wow. Uh, that's that's within walking distance of my house. And there is uh, more than one uh, kingdom hall of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, yeah, we they all kind of congregate here, it seems like. Interesting. Um, a congregation of cults. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How, how nice. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and I, you could also throw in there, uh, the Catholic church that I, uh, was raised in. So, um, I was raised Catholic and, um, my mom was a my, my dad was raised Catholic and my mom was a convert from Methodism. Um, and uh, so they met at Catholic college and um, stayed in the area. And I and I grew up there and um, growing up, they kind of went to different parishes like there were a lot of different churches in the area. So for the most part, growing up, I would go to more normal mainstream churches. But I was homeschooled a lot in the homeschooling community they gravitated more toward the traditional uh, side. And at that point growing up, the traditional Catholics in Irving didn't have their own building. Uh, they were sort of using the, the, the parish of the nuns, the, the Carmelite uh, nuns nearby. But at some point, right when I was about to start high school, uh, they got their own building in Irving. And uh, it, the, the parish was called um, Mater, Mater Dei, Latin for Mother of God. And, um, the name of the school, the, the the school I went to was called Our Lady of Fatima Homeschool Co-op. And just for anyone out there who's not clear what a homeschool co-op is, um, the mainstream idea of homeschooling kind of seems to be you're at you're at home and your mom and dad are teaching you classes. And my mom is a teacher, a Montessori teacher. So I had that a little bit. But for the most part, I was not having classes at home. I was having classes at either somebody else's house, a big house that they owned where all the families would come and we'd have classes in different rooms there because there was a community of, of Catholics who were into homeschooling. So it was not really a, 
isolated experience. There were quite a, a lot of other people involved in this. And uh, when they got their own building, uh, we did classes, the homeschool classes there. They had a little um, school building next to the uh, chapel building. And so from 2010 to 2014, I attended high school at Our Lady of Fatima Homeschool Co-op. Um, and uh, it, it, it was a very, very, um, uh, it was a traumatic experience. Um, mm. And I've had a lot of time to, I, and I've only recently realized in really the last three or four months, maybe how truly the, the true effect it had on me mm. and how I still carry with what I, what I went through during that time. Um, so I could, I could talk more about, um, about my, I, I'm going to for sure talk more about the abuse I suffered and the experience and all of that. But I think I might need to talk a little bit more about the traditional Catholics and what the, and, and what happened at Vatican II mm-hmm. and the split there, just, just so people can understand more of where this environment is coming from and everything. Um, so in the 60s, uh, the Catholic Church had a very radical change. And um, it's kind of, you, you know, Chris, you've probably heard people uh, ask, you, you've asked a lot, you've probably been asked by a lot of people about Scientology, you know, could it get better? Could, mm-hmm. could, could you like change the bad stuff and just keep the good stuff pretty much? Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you, you and I know that that's just not possible because of the structure of, of the thing. Mm-hmm. But it kind of happened with the Catholic Church. They didn't really change any of the teachings, but they stopped talking about they They, they, they decided to like, we're going to have a different emphasis we're going to do mass differently. It's not going to be this somber, intense affair. It's going to be more joyous and lighthearted. And we're going to emphasize more the compassionate, you know, side of, of, the, of Christ's message, uh, whereas the traditional Catholics emphasize the, the harsh, you know, uh, fire and brimstone, uh, legalistic, you follow the rules or else kind of approach. And so they changed the way mass is done. So the music, instead of sounding like, you know, Gregorian chant, this very kind of creepy, kind of somber sort of way of chanting. Thing like that. (laughs) That that way of singing, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, The the music now, your average Catholic church sounds like Peter, Paul, and Mary. It's Yeah, that's how the music pretty much sounds like now. If you're at your average church, they're playing guitar. Um, they're singing songs that have the same chord progression as, uh, songs that were out in the sixties, uh, because that was what they were reacting to. Really. They were reacting to the cultural changes that were, that were blossoming in the country. And I think the church, the, the Pope at the time, I think, I think his name was John the 23rd, who was the one who started everything at Vatican II. Mm-hmm. He realized we, we got to We got to get with the times here. We're, we're, we can't the world's changing and we got to change with it. And of course, for the, um, for the person who has the mind, who has a fanatical mindset, that, that sort of attitude, um, is, well, you're doing it wrong. Then this is an aberration The the, the, the crazy people have taken over the train and, and now, and now it's a watered down mealy, you know, um, uh, ineffectual thing. Sort of the would would they would they go so far as to call it heretical? Is that a is that the, they um, 
so yeah, her, the heresy is, mm-hmm. you know, a, uh, a spiritual in the, in the Catholic church where the heresy is, a a spiritual no, no, like, like mm-hmm. a, uh, you know, a, a, a false thing, a, like a, like a false statement, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, they wouldn't, some of them do go so far as to a subgroup inside the traditional Catholics called the Sediva Contists. And uh, Mel Gibson is a Sediva Contist. Um, and uh, the 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 Sediva Contist viewpoint is that we have not, the, the Catholic Church has not had a real Pope since Vatican II. Um, oh, that explains yeah. a few things about Mel Gibson. <laughs> wow, I yeah. did not know that about him. Yeah, huh. no, he does not believe Francis is the actual Pope. He believes Francis is a pretender to the throne and that someday there's going to, they're going, the real, maybe I think he thinks that someday the trad cats are going to take it back over. Um, but the study of contests are a smaller subgroup of the traditional Catholics, but they they tend to be the most vocal. Uh, trad cats tend to be really vocal online and they, they like to create YouTube channels and they like to, you know, be loud. Like th- that's kind of how it is. You know, you, the the people who are just in the in the faith in the religion for their own personal spiritual benefit, and because they f- feel like it, it helps, it it gives them, you know, comfort and everything. The the, tr- the, tr- the traditionalists, the trad cats, you know, think that what happened in Vatican II. Some will go farther than others, of course. Some will say that, you know, it was. they're they're going on the wrong direction. Not that they've totally, you know, it's not the church anymore, but that we need to get back in the right direction. And so um, there was a split where there was one bishop who consecrated, who consecrated bishops against the Pope's will after Vatican II. Mm. And he was kicked out of the church. And then some followers of him went to the Pope and asked for, to be allowed back in. They wanted to keep doing the traditional stuff, but they, acknowledge they agreed to allow the pope to still have authority over them Mm. and that group became the fraternity of saint peter and that was the society that i was that that owned that ran the chapel i was brought up in where i went to high school at uh the fraternity of saint peter were trad cats who they didn't like vatican ii overall but they weren't going to willing to go so far as to reject its validity they were willing to sort of play along while keeping their old rituals and, and, and practices and way of doing things. There's other groups like the Society of St. Pius X who are not recognized by the church and the study of a contest don't even think the Pope is the Pope. So they're, 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 they're completely kind of separate from the, from the whole, from the whole situation there. So, all right. That's so let, basically the, um, so the let setup. Me, let me, yeah. Thank you for that, for clarifying all of that, because this is all pretty new territory for me. And I, have not been so naive as to think that the Catholic, that that the worldwide Catholic movement is all monolithic, and all on the same page, and all following one guy, you know, the the Pope and in the Vatican. But I wasn't aware that some of the denominate, I, I guess you could call these denominations, like these denominational yeah. differences, uh, were so intense in it within the Catholic world. This is quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, just as a yeah. I mean, just as a point. There was one one pope. Uh, so Pope John Paul II. Um, there were two attempts on his life. One guy shot him and he didn't die. One guy stabbed him and he didn't die. Uh, the guy who shot him, I think, was just crazy. I, I don't know what exactly. I don't think he had a, a, a real clear a motivation for doing it. Mm. But the second guy, the guy who stabbed Pope John Paul, 
was a uh, traditionalist Catholic priest. And he uh, took a right, he like removed the bayonet off of a rifle. And he ran up to Pope John Paul after he'd already been shot and, and recovered. And he ran up to him with the bayonet and, and said, down with the Second Vatican Council. And he stabbed the Pope with the bayonet. And the Pope survived um, that as well. But that's how intense this, uh, this, um, hate, this, this war, the, the, this, this conflict got, that a guy tried to stab Pope John Paul over it. Wow. Just out of curiosity, um, I'm going to throw questions that might be really ignorant. So, so bear with me if I, if I do. Um, is there a concept of an antichrist? Is this, would they take this that far with this, with stabbing the Pope that this is somehow, you know, Satan brought to life or something trying to corrupt the church or undo the church? Do they think that way? They do think that way. Um, there's something, so they wouldn't think he's the actual Antichrist. Okay. Um, the Antichrist is a very, very specific, per, from what I was taught, he's a very specific person and he has very, very specific characteristics. Okay. One of them is he's Jewish. He, he, oh. <laughs> one of them is he's, I was taught that he has to be Jewish. Oh, for him to be the Antichrist. okay. Got it on that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which, you know, at the time didn't ring any anti-Semitic alarm bells. I was just a kid. But, uh, <laughs> Kind of does now, you know. Right, right. Huh. Um, okay, okay. Yeah. So and there were other things. Somehow, too, like, somehow, this guy got the idea that that Pope John Paul the twenty third was uh, somehow an agent of evil and needed to be yes. done away with. Yes. Okay. He was. A, he would have called him a type of the Antichrist. And what I was taught was tr tr traditional Catholics are big on types, which means it's a it's something that actually happened. But God, it's a true event that God caused to happen in order to foreshadow something in the future. Mm. So uh, a, a type of so a type of the Antichrist would be a person who is not the Antichrist, but has similar characteristics of him. And he's supposed to remind us, oh, we need to be remember the Antichrist. He's going to be here one day. We need, so that that's sort of what the idea of, of it is that, um, you know, yeah. it's it's sort of like. They, you know, in Catholicism, human history, it's all one big story, right? It, they're, they're huge on narrative and story. And so to them, God, we're all like characters in a story God is writing, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so, and of course, you know, there's protagonists and antagonists, you know, there's the good guys and the bad guys. So they very much, they're constantly trying to take current events take in a very conspiracy theory kind of mindset, you know, yeah. to, to weave everything, everything they see around them together into sort of this tapestry to explain things that, that, you know, you know, you know like this happened because, and, and, and I heard this a lot, you know, growing, the, the priest, this one priest in particular, he was always like, so in the book of revelations, it says so-and-so and so, well, I was reading this one book that just, uh, that in the translation, it said that beast means that. So what I think the book of revelation is really talking about is that in world war two and Hitler and, and all of that. So taking modern events and tying them over to the book of revelation, you know, creating this whole sort of epic story, you know, uh, of, you know, about relating to, you know, God and the devil and the, and he, he would talk about di different politicians and everything and say like, you know, it's just like when Lucifer didn't want to obey God, he's, he's acting like Lucifer and stuff. And so they're very big on, uh, on narrative and story. And, and 
very similar to ever, to every cult too uh, is you, you get you get caught up in the idea of a of the mission and and, and and the and the glorious reward when you're done with it you know and the suffering you endure it sucks now but think of how how vindicated you'll be when the when it's all over you know so that makes sense bit, uh, off the reservation uh, off the field there but if you want to narrow me back again Chris no um, no that's that, that I'm to what it, I'm happy to hear that? about this because I want I'm because I'm asking you questions as we're going here because I'm 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 literally I just don't know and. I, I couldn't agree with you more about the power of narrative. This is uh, this is the way that you communicate complicated ideas or belief sets to any group of people, because almost anybody can follow a storyline. And this is, you know, entertainment, movies, I mean, stories, this is fairy tales. Yeah. This is how you get uh, very important ideas across to people, no matter what their intellectual level or engagement is, you know, they can get the story of it and it and it and yeah. are somehow are our um, communicative, you know, societal brains just kind of run with that as, as truth. And it's, uh, so that's why it has such power for us. I'm, it makes sense to me. Tell me if I'm following here, because it makes sense to me that if you come from and are raised in a traditionalist belief, especially, you know, going back a few decades where this is how you were brought up and this is how it is. And it's fire and brimstone and it centers in the hands of an angry God. And it is, you know, this is, this is how, how we are supposed to be that somebody coming along with a Vatican II, Hey, let's lighten up a little bit. Let's like, let's like chill out and maybe appeal to more people. I could see why some hardcore members would be like, excuse me, what, what, you know, this is, this is not okay. This is totally wrong and would continue these beliefs. Unfortunately, uh, you know, this lends itself to abuse, uh, physical abuse and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, again, psychological, spiritual abuse. How did that manifest in your, in your existence growing up in, in this trad cat thing? Right. Well, we all know culturally. Uh, we're all very much aware of the um, the horrific child abuse that the Catholic Church has been up to uh, for for prob- I mean centuries, really. Let, let, let's yeah, be- just say forever. Just say it. Yeah, forever. that's right. I would say probably. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, there's it one something that was would be said in in the trad cath world is that a way to fl- deflect from that is that. There was a, a a stupid thing said there that that was a that was a Vatican II problem, you know, like that like that that's what happens when when like Vatican II happened and then all the all the abuse happened and and so it doesn't happen with us, you know that that, that was the um that was the mindset uh, that they had and so but what what ha- what was done to me I will unequivocally categorize as sexual abuse, however. It was not in the sense of I was touched physically mm-hmm. because I was not. Uh, I, I, I did. I was. That did happen to me when I was 11, but it was not by a priest. It was just by a, by a dude. And uh, I've, I've worked through that in my own way also. But uh, when, I, when, when this when I got to be 14 and started school here, the there were two priests uh, in, who were running the, the church. Basically, there was Father Lanjua and Father Wolf. Father Landro was a young guy. He was handsome. Uh, he, I mean, he looked like he could be an actor. And uh, his 
the father wolf was not so handsome. He was older. He had glasses. He was balding. He was sterner. And he was, he always had this kind of expression on his face like that. Just a very sour, like he, like he just ate sour candy, you know, that, that, or, or, or that kind of solemn, stern kind of look. And father Lanjwa has now has since been laicized. He's been stripped of his priesthood because he, um, had an affair with a married woman. Uh, which is, you know, that that's immediate. You're out as a priest, you know, they take a vow of celibacy. Uh, father Wolf currently is, has been suspended. He is not a a priest. Uh, He is a priest still, but he is not allowed to. And this is, this is, was done by the fraternity of St. Peter, the traditional order he was a part of. Mm. He's being suspended by them. He, he, uh, was a little too, too cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs for their taste. Um, and, uh, he's, um, I've actually been in a, in a process where I've been communicating with his superiors, with the local bishop, trying to get him laicized, removed from the priesthood permanently because mm-hmm. it's what he deserves and he should not be allowed to be around children anymore, mm-hmm. uh, ever, ever again. Um, it, it's a dicey area as whether you could say he did anything criminal to me. Um, and I'll get into the details of that in a, in a little bit, but, um, that's the situation with him right now. So okay. he would, Father Lantro was just not very, was just not there very often. Uh, Father Wolf was usually the one who was um, running things and giving the, uh, the hom the sermons. And um, he had um, in his sermons, by the, a lot of his homilies and sermons, by the way, are available on YouTube. So mm. you can hear in his own voice, some of these uh, things he said. Um, among other things, he had the the main factor here was issues regarding sex. Mm-hmm. Um, he, the Catholic Church, its teachings about sex are very, very obviously very culturally backward, um, very antiquated, and um, the mo- the modern Catholic Church kind of recognizes that and doesn't really. They're there. The, the teachings are there. You still kind of have to. They still kind of expect you to follow them, but they're they're probably going to give you communion if you're divorced and remarried. They're probably going—many churches uh, have started becoming a lot more welcoming to LGBT members, uh, members of the LGBT community. Pope Francis, um, he has he can't really change any of the, um, any of the doctrine, you know, but uh, he definitely comes across as someone who's interested in a much more compassionate, liberal, uh, caring approach to, to the church. But in terms of teachings, the, the, what the church's hardcore teachings are, it's, you know, the only sex is only for the married, for a man and a woman. And you're expected to never use contraception, even when you're married. Um, LGBT, forget about it. You know, just, just, just don't even don't forget about it. Um, they even said at one point, which the, the trad cats like to say a lot, that Satan himself is... Um, like, like he's disgusted by same sex. Like, like it even disgusts him. Wow. Which, which is such a, which is such a illogical. I mean, just, just looking at it logically, it, it's, it, that's a completely illogical thing. Like when you're gay, it's so bad. Even Satan's this disgust, like Satan's like, come on, dude. Like, like that's, that's how, that's the, the mindset they're in when it comes to uh, those kind of uh, issues, you know? And so they they call it they they call homosexuality a sin that cries out to heaven for vengeance. For That's vengeance. Jesus for vengeance. Christ. 
That wow. is a term they say all the time. It homosexuality cries out to heaven for vengeance. Wow. Um, wow. So, Sorry, but it's just so it's backwards. It's just such backwards thinking. Wow is right. Yeah. And um, I was fortunate. I mean, you know, obviously now I know that there's nothing wrong with being gay, but I was fortunate to not have to, to not be gay. And then the fact that I didn't have to deal with that level of, I can only imagine, I, I, I know for sure there were at least two uh, friends of mine there who were gay and I haven't spoke to them about their, what they went through and their experiences, but I can only imagine. Um, and if you, if either of you are listening to this, I'm very sorry uh, for what you went through. Um, but anyway, what happened to me was, is that, you know, Father Wolf, he he took he took these teachings and ran with them. He he encouraged scrupulosity. He he was he would he took that line, hold every thought captive, and he just took it to its ultimate extreme. I was raked over the coals constantly in confession for you know any kind of sexual thoughts whatsoever. And this is when I'm turning fourteen. You know, this this is when you know these things are hitting into overdrive. And right when I'm turning fourteen this training starts to just sort of push down any sexual thoughts, desires whatsoever, just, just push it down. The, the, the idea was, is that, you know, at some point, you know, there'll, there'll be a girl there in the community. I mean, the idea of marrying someone outside the, the trad community was, I mean, you're, you, they've, they, they say you can't marry anyone who's not Catholic. And especially, uh, yeah, and, and um, but but most especially, you should marry traditional Catholics. I mean, you have to marry someone who's of the same traditional Catholic faith is not explicitly said, but the idea is like what, like it's not going to work out if you're if you're not if you're not married to someone who's in the exact same mindset with you about all this stuff because mm-hmm. it, it, they they plan out your life so so explicitly. And for me, I. I wanted this life. Like it wasn't like at the time, like the idea of, you know, uh, being, uh, of marrying at a young age and having a lot of kids. That was a, that was seemed great to me because that was presented as great at the time. That was sort of the, 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 the greatest achievement in this, in this world, you know? So I was, my, my, my sexual identity was, was pulverized, um, to, to sum it up basically, because mm-hmm. even looking at mag, like, uh, like going to the pool, you know, I was constantly looking away at all the girls in bikinis. I was going at the grocery store. You see the magazine racks, you look away, the stuff's kind of everywhere. And so, and, and, you know, but, but that was a, a common thing of father wolf. He would preach a lot about how, you know, this stuff's everywhere. We just can't escape it. We know, and we got to, we got to build our fortresses. We in the the fortress mentality. It was explicit. They they would talk about building your fortress. The family is your fortress. You know, all the time. They would use that language. They weren't ashamed of it. They weren't ashamed of that kind of that kind of characterization. Um, so I was not able to, in any way, in a healthy way, explore my sexuality in my teenage years. I was constantly fighting it, constantly suppressing it. I was physically hurting myself to expunge sexual thoughts at his orders. One thing he told me to do in confession was to put my fingers on the floor and to kneel on them, which is very painful. Uh, and I was doing this at age 14, 15 to, to get rid of thoughts of bikinis in my head. Um, and, and so I, 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 I'm I mean, not an 
let me let me just interject real fast here for for the audience i mean this is you know there's something that needs to be said here about our progress in understanding trauma and abuse um because coercive control now becoming a law in various states in terms of domestic violence is a kind of domestic violence that doesn't involve having to hit or beat on your spouse in order for it to be coercive or abusive. We're coming out of the mindset that you're okay if nobody hit you because we need to, because it's not humane to treat ourselves or each other in abusive and coercive ways. And when you are directing all of the efforts of teenagers or adults in a direction of suppressing their emotional life, their sexual feelings, their hormonal responses to things, I'm not suggesting that hedonism is the answer. I'm saying that going in the direction of suppressing these things rather than understanding them and dealing with them and taking them at what they are, biological urges that are not sinful and are not by their very nature evil, and this is how these things are framed in these groups, When when you do that to somebody, you are creating in them a lifetime forward of self-abuse. And if you want to know what's at the heart of all the Catholic controversy and awfulness with the kids, it's this. I'm not kidding. This is how it starts, is you take somebody and you convince them that there's that they are evil or there's something inside of them that is evil that is perfectly normal and perfectly biologically, organically wonderful, right? Our sexual urges and desires to reproduce are a good thing. And I just needed to kind of soapbox on that for a second because I don't want people thinking, well, what's the big deal? It is a big deal and we need to start thinking about it that way. And I'm and sorry, I just had to plug in there at this moment. So please go on. No, I I appreciate it, Chris. I I really do. Um, I appreciate the validation. And um, I myself in my head played that it's not a big sometimes I would play the it's not a big deal thing as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I would because I would think, well, you know, I can't really call it sexual abuse because it that's it, he didn't touch me, you know, but, but, but it is, it, it, you, but need it to, is. you need to expand your, your definitions a little bit. You need to expand my thinking because I know, I, 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 I know in my body the, I, I, I can feel in my body the effects of the abuse. Yeah. Um, because my, um, I mean, I'm working, it's a work in progress. I've gotten, you know, my, um, my, my sexual life has, uh, had definitely, it's been, it's a, it's a struggle for sure. Um, I've, I've been in therapy for, it's been very, very helpful, very beneficial. I want to thank you again, Chris, um, for, uh, getting me on that path, path to address the, the religious trauma in us in, in therapeutic, uh, ways. I hadn't really thought to do that, uh, before, and it, but it's been a, a big help. Good. And so thank you for that, Chris. And yeah. also, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, 
I think that the defi- the definitions of abuse now um, need to be reexamined. Yeah. Uh, we have the word is so um, it's loaded for sure. And it but it but it also kind of has a, a narrow definition and in someone's mind as well. It, they imagine a scenario where in the moment you're in pain, in the moment you're 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 feeling you're, you're having a negative reaction. Whereas in the moment with him, I was thinking, you know, yeah, this is hard, but I'm so privileged to have found this this mystical man, the, the, this, you know, t- wise teacher who, who's, and of course he was lionized in the, in the community. He was a, a hero because he, the idea around him, this, the, I'm talking about father still here. Um, the idea around him was all oh, like, he's, he, he's, he's a hard ass, but he says it like it is, you know, he, he's, he's our, and that, that kind of attitude of like simply uh, being ha- exuding an aura of, of aggression and a, and a, and of intensity is good in and of itself that no, it's not, you, you, you have to, you have to direct, it can be, you have to direct it towards something good, but the, when, when they're like, yeah, you know, he just says it like it is. Well, he says what, like it is, you know, like, like saying it like it, what it is, is the teachings of the church, you know, the teachings about sexuality, but those teachings are, just, I mean, really, just when you get down to it, what it actually say, the teachings are the problem here. They're they're destructive and they're harmful, and they're and they're inherently abusive. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Catholic Church in the '60s sort of dealt with the problem by deciding to not talk about them any, uh, like that sort of, or choosing their fo- rearranging their focus. Or, but the trad cats are really good at at pointing to the text, like pointing to the documents. That's what they do all the time. They 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 read through they're they're very very legalistic they're like the the guy what well, actually it says here in the contract you can't actually do that they they're that guy you know they're, they're the people who are obsessed with with the what's with the print what's written um whereas you know without without having any considerations of what's human you know right. um and so uh, father wolf also he never hit me um but he he did encourage corporal punishment toward on minors. Uh, I will say that uh, other, um, other people who, um, were ministered to by him, uh, told me that as well. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a, if I might, I just, that's just another point I'd like to make here, uh, for the audience. Cause there's this, there's again, these are points I have to highlight only because I keep running into over the years, that I've been talking about physical abuse and, and psychological abuse with kids, I am always met with some pushback on this concept or idea that spanking kids is a good idea. Uh, that, you know, this is that, that I consider it child abuse. I don't think it's okay to be beating on kids. Um, disciplining children by hitting them repeatedly uh, with sticks, with rulers, with your hand, uh, with a belt, any of this is, as far as I'm concerned, it's wrong. Uh, it's wrong in yeah. the same way that you don't teach adults by beating on them. I mean, you can. You can condition in any living be- creature, human or not, you can condition it with violence. But to think that that's a humane approach and it's a rational approach and that you're going to create a better human being through that 
is just not right. It's not true. And the danger of it, there is an actual danger to beating kids. And that is that there are genetic factors at play. There are, you know, DNA issues here where a person can potentially genetically be on the edge in terms of maybe becoming a sociopath, maybe becoming a psychopath. And this is where the nurture part of this comes in. If you don't nurture that kid properly, if you beat on that kid, you can beat them by raising their stress levels when you beat on them. That's what happens. Chemical processes occur where these genes become activated and they become little sociopaths because that's what you're turning them into. This is a this is a point of study. This is not just my opinion. I just needed to throw that out there because, again, some people are like, well, I was beaten when I was a kid. I was spanked and I don't see the problem. It's like, look, look, just because you yeah. were and you think you're OK doesn't mean it's OK as a broad thing. And I and anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. If you. Yeah. Um, so, something else Vatican II changed was they actually removed um, something that was uh, uh, basically they removed uh, an actual a practice of physical abuse from one of their rituals. Mm. So there is. Confirmation is when uh, a young man or young uh, a woman in, in Catholicism is sort of like the idea you become a soldier of Christ is. And of course, traditional Catholicism is is, is filled with militaristic um, phrases and, and terms. The, the Pope used to have an army. I mean, you know, the Crusades, you know, we can talk about that. It's um, right. that, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the Crusades and, and Galileo and the Inquisition, you know, all, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, but but any, what used to happen was, is for the men uh, in confirmation, after the Pope sort of like, or not the bishop, uh, after the local bishop sort of blessed you with the oils and whatever and did the ceremony, he slapped you in the face. Um, and that was uh, supposed to be like uh, getting you ready for the world, you know, uh, you know getting you like, one little slap to sort of like prime you for the the hardships you're going to have to face as a man, you know, and uh, that wasn't done to me because I was actually confirmed at at a different parish, not the church that um, that modern, not not the one at modern day, and uh, that wasn't that didn't happen to me. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, uh, I was not hit in the face, um, but mm-hmm. I did hear from time to time some sermons from the tradcalf priests. Uh, They'd say things of like, man, they won't let us hit them in the face anymore. Like, like the, the, the church is, the church has gone soft, you know? And that, that was another common criticism, common thread is the church has become feminized. It's gone soft. Right. It's not man. It's not manly anymore. And, uh, that was sort of the key, the key issue, the key thread there. Um, they, uh, you know, they would, the trad cats love to talk about all the, you know, they, def- they totally defend the, the crusades were awesome. The inquisition was awesome. Misunderstood. Maybe, maybe some bad, a little bit of bad stuff happened, but it, it gets way overblown, you know, by the culture. Um, they love, uh, you know, stories of the saints that, that involve battle and warfare. Um, they, uh, you know, it's that, you know, that pathetic sort of macho, uh, faux macho, you know, kind of kind of attitude, and of course, you know, the women have to wear headdress. The the women have to wear headdresses, kind of sort of similar veils, 
uh, sort of similar to what Muslim women have to wear when they're in church, not not out and about in public. Uh, some some Catholic women, just to show how devoted they are, wear the veil all the time uh, and wear the long skirts all the time. But in mass, you're supposed to the women are supposed to have their heads covered. Um, and, you know, also there's another you mentioned, Chris, about, you know, corporal punishment and hitting and how people will respond with, well, that's it happened to me. or That's how it's always been done. That is another key element into what drives their belief is, of course, and it's in the name, traditional Catholics, you know, the, the mere fact that it's been done the exact same way, basically, for 2000 years is sufficient for them like, like, like that to them. And I, I don't I don't compute with that anymore. The idea that, you know, simply because a practice has been passed down through generations that doesn't mean necessarily that it's a good thing to do or that all, all it means is that a long time ago, somebody was able to convince another person that something was important enough to pass down. That's and funny. it doesn't, that doesn't, the fact that it's, it's with, and, and they'd say things like it's withstood 2000 years. It's been here. So it's been here 2000 years. So what, you know, so what, Th that doesn't mean what you're saying is true, but they, but to them, that's such a that's such a conversation ender. That argument in from tradition that 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 to that to them is such a such a gotcha. Totally, um, and it's, it was to me it, too. Yeah, absolutely. It's called a thought stopping cliche or a thought yeah. terminating cliche. Right? It's a set of words that you can say, and you don't have to think anymore. It just shuts right. down thinking. And that's a that's a perfect example of one traditionalism or, you know, appeal to a, to tradition or to authority is a classic. Mm -hmm. And there are a million variations of it. But we but it's a classic cult control technique. And uh, it doesn't just happen yeah. in cults, of course, but it's really celebrated in them. Like people have pride in them. They actually consider it a feature yeah not a bug. I mean, there are many, many people who will tell you uh, across the religious spectrum that the Bible is written, that the, the thinking was done. <laughs> I don't have to think anymore, right? It's right there. And of course, yeah. being as legalistic and literal as these folks are, as you mentioned, how, how it's all about the words and, 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 if, and this is what it says. And so therefore, you know, this is not a group of people who are really interested in or thinking that progressive thinking or evolutionary thinking is a good idea. They think that's a bad idea. It's all kind of backwards world there. Yeah. And I just I just it made sense at the time. You know, I mean, I mean, when you without without thinking about it, the idea that it's always been done this way. Let's not rock the boat. Let's keep doing it the same way. That initially, you know, it, it, it's, it's sort of like it fits it fits together, you know, at, at first, you know, you, you, you can understand it. But yep. if you delve deeper, you think, OK, but what are what has been passed down? You know, you can make the same argument about Islam. Islam has lasted um, pretty much. I mean, you know, I'm fuzzy on the dates, but I think Islam's lasted just for about the same amount of time as Christianity and Judaism has, has outlived Catholicism and Christianity. And that's still around, right? Yeah. So, I mean, Islam is, is, is a bit younger than, than Christianity, but you know, it is a bit younger, but not by much. Right. Um, and, uh, and so that, that the, the, the time, the, the, the test of time argument yep. for, 
when you could take Islam and also um, and also uh, Judaism, because uh, of course you know Catholicism in Christianity can't exist without Judaism uh, having come before it. Yep. Um, you know that that argument just falls apart, and so yeah. And, and another another issue too here is the the sexual teachings and how crazy they are. I've often wondered where where is this where that came from? Because Jesus does not talk about sex; he really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it it seems to have what I can tell come from Paul, mm-hmm. and Paul is this weird figure in the Bible. Uh, he he comes in after the party's over, kind of like like Jesus is already ascended paul is the P- peter's the pope right he's the first pope in the in in the early church and um then this guy paul comes in who's like hey i had a vision god god spoke to me and you guys are doing it wrong and and i'm i'm gonna take over and 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 peter like has deference to paul and so i we could paul's a strange character for me because his letters and his writings seem to originate it, it it's that seems to be where all this these weird teachings about marriage and, and being gay and all that seem to originate. Mm-hmm. And it's strange that this guy just sort of inserted himself into the, into what was going on after Jesus and all that. And sort of it took to, you know, anyway, it's a, that's getting into biblical history and stuff, which I don't pretend to be an expert on. No, but, but I will say this. Yeah, go ahead. I, I will say this. There have been more than a couple people who've suggested to me over the years that if Paul were a real person and there are ideas that he really That's did live, question. that he really existed, there is a question about that. I have more questions about whether Jesus lived than Paul did. I think there was some Paul figure um, because of the because of the way that it's described. It, it, this is a very human person and this person is very crazy. And that's my yeah. assessment of it. That's me. Yeah. I get that. I'm going to get a lot of hate for that, but I, I just, this is what I, I agree see. with you. And, and because of, and it, and I, and I say these things because of the values that he put forward are extremely toxic. These are very bad values for humanity. They're, they're not humanistic values. And it has been suggested that perhaps he suffered from temporal lobe epilepsy as an individual, as a person, the same way we thought L. Ron Hubbard did. Uh, religious, you know, strong yeah. religious epiphanies. I saw the light on the road. You know, this whole thing that the, these experiences he had, and yeah. his and his fanaticism is what really comes through, right? And fanaticism is not it, the 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 key characteristic of fanaticism is not rational thinking. <laughs> It's, it's sort of it's sort of the opposite, right? So you know, so you have uh, yeah, this, kind of opposite. <laughs> well, exactly, and I'm no biblical expert either, but I can certainly say that you know I can agree with and a, a lot of things that Jesus conceptually put forward. I can go, yeah, that sounds good, but then you have this Paul guy come along and and kind of turn it all upside down and backwards, and priests must be celibate and all of this yeah. nonsense. And this is where I was soapboxing earlier about how when you're trying to suppress who and what we are as biological beings, you're going to lose a hundred percent of the time. It just doesn't going to work out for you. And this has been one of the key struggles of the church through the centuries is this denial of who and what we really are. This is my take on it, of course, but you know, yeah, well, well, the, the track, the, Father Wolf, you know, and the, the whole Tradcast community, they would kind of agree with you. They, Father Wolf would say sometimes, yes, naturally speaking, what I'm saying, this is impossible. Like, no, I, 
I never, I, I never kissed a girl until I was 20. Um, my, my girlfriend at the time, we were never alone. We, we hugged. That was, that was it. Uh, we held, we, we held hands sometimes we hugged and, uh, we did like little grandma, like the kind of kisses you'd give your grandmother. Um, and so that, that was the, the environment. And, you know, I, I, I went to father wolf one time and he, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm struggling because I really want to kiss my girlfriend, but I, I, but you know, like shock, right. Oh no. Uh, but, and I, and I said, I'm having, I'm having trouble with, with what you said. Cause this, you know, most like the, the not kissing is a, not what they say in mainstream Catholicism. That's a trad cat thing. And he was saying, yeah, you know, naturally speaking, this isn't possible, but God's grace will allow you to do it. So you just need to keep praying for God's grace. So for them, when you go to them and you say, this is, I'm struggling and the, and I'm struggling with what you're telling me to do. I can't biologically do it. The answer is fairy dust. Right. Just sprinkle some fairy, just sprinkle some fairy dust and you'll be good. And I, and you're like, got it. Thanks. I, I will go, I will go find the fairy dust or I'll ask God for it and uh, he'll sprinkle it on me and then I'll be good to go. So that's, and then of course, you know, you're, you're conditioned in confession like an auditing in Scientology, right? You have to leave it with having an epiphany, you know? And so in confession, you know, you're, conf- you're saying these bad things. And then he's saying, I forgive, I, I forgive you of your sins. And the idea is that God's forgiving you of your sins. So you leave the room feeling, you leave the confessional feeling amazing. Cause you think I'm, you feel like I'm right with God now. God just forgave me and I'm, and I'm good with him. I just, I just got to sin no more and I'm good. And of course, you know, at the time you, you you're not real like, at the time you think, oh, I feel so good. Of course I'll never sin again. Uh, you know, not realizing biology will have something to say about that. But just like in Scientology with auditing, they're creating the problem. Right. You know, they're creating the, you feel good because you've just solved a problem that they've created for you. You know, you wouldn't have had the guilt that you're being relieved of if they hadn't told you about it in the first place, you know? That's a brilliant observation, Anthony, because that's exactly right. The whole thing is a circular trap. It's a circular logic trap that keeps itself going. It's a sort of, you know, we talk about uh, if somebody could invent the the, the perpetual motion machine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, this is it. (laughs) It's, you know, it's a circular logic system that you come trapped in. You can't get out of it. And, and it's, and it is a trap. It's a mental, uh, trap Mm -hmm. and raising kids with this before they're able to think critically about it, uh, before they're able to challenge these ideas or, or wonder whether or how they might apply to their own life experiences. It's just, no, it's mandated. This is how it is. It's very dictatorial. It's very authoritarian. And I want to, I want to speak to that real quick if I can. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Children should not be raised, uh, should not be anywhere near this kind of environment. Um, I've spoken to my parents about all this and uh, they have apologized to me um, for what happened. They reckon they, they totally reckon they're they're still Catholic, the same church. Father Wolf has not, is not uh, part of that church anymore. Like I said, he's suspended. I don't know if the environment is different right now. I don't, I, I haven't been there in a long time. Um, But, uh, they recognized that Father Wolf was a bad guy, and uh, so uh, the church they they are and and I'm at peace with them as well. Um, and so my relationship with them is is very good. And ends of um you know in these kinds of incidents, 
the the pain the pain uh that's woven into this just splits the families apart and um that's that's one of the greatest tragedies uh that's one of the greatest tr tragic effects of these cultic situations and cultic environments and uh, i'm just very grateful that uh, that didn't happen for me and that, that they understand uh that that these bad stuff happen and and you know there's sort of is from what i've been able to tell there sort of is an understanding that this particular priest was an aberration. He mm -hmm. went too far. He was he was loved. What, what still frustrates me, of course, is that he was he was awesome at the time, and I was was presented to me as sort of like you know the 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 man I should listen to and my moral authority, and he was my moral authority. But based on stuff I've spoken and based on the recordings you can listen to when you're actually, you actually can actually hear him say in his own words, Neil young boys should kneel on their fingers to expel sexual thoughts and he's and he's been suspended he's he's probably i i i am very very certain that he will never be a priest again or he'll, he'll never be put in ministry again um based on the conversations i've had with some of his superiors on the phone i can't confirm that but um but he one of his superiors did tell me on the phone he said something like based on what you've told me I'm never putting him in authority again. So, Good. however, while I'm grateful for all, for that response on, on everyone's part, while I'm very grateful for that, I do believe that he is still so he, he made a good he made he made a good case if he was if it's all true. If it's all true, he you know, he went through the documents, he he quoted things. It seems to me that if it's all true, his version of what to do is is the correct one because there were saints of the church who apparently he got that idea of kneeling on the fingers from a saint mm -hmm. uh who mm -hmm. who instructed that to be done as well and there is a, a, a definitely a tradition in the church where the saints would saint saint francis a lot of them would 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 physically would, would, would do a lot of crazy physical pain for themselves to, to themselves like saint francis used to roll around naked in the snow um you know it, it, it's as a way to purify yourself, you know, to, to, and that is, that's such an antiquated perverse, like the idea of like, you know, but it's funny because physical pain, some, there is gain sometimes if you work out, it sucks, it's physically harmful, but there is noticeable gain. You know, there, there is a lot of good things in life, a lot of things that, that, and, and you've got to work hard to earn money. And so there is, uh, pain and reward in, in life for sure, but they take that and they hijack that idea where you're convinced that the pain you're going through now will 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 produce spiritual rewards that'll be so much greater. So so the more physical pain you're going through on earth, the greater the spiritual reward you'll have in heaven. You know, mm -hmm. and so that puts you in the mindset of, of thinking you can uh, of of, uh, of discounting the trauma you'll you'll deal with later in life. You don't think about that at all. That that's you're you're not thinking about the rest of your you're thinking about the rest of your eternity. You're not thinking about the rest of your life. And that's another really really damaging things cults do is that they make you they they devalue make you devalue your own life. The Big next time. thing that's is right what's important. That's right. Who, who cares about who cares about this life? It, 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 when 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 the stakes are the stakes are eternal punishment. You know that. That mindset is uh, that's the key that that's the key ingredient with with cults and coercion is the false stakes they put in your head the the false the the false reward 
you know, the, the, the way they hijack that, that pain reward kind of, kind of process, you know, you're, you nailed it. I couldn't put it better myself, man. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Um, okay. We have run out of time. We've allocated ourselves for an hour for this one. And so we have, um, we covered a lot and I, and I'm really thankful for you reaching out to me and sharing your story with me and giving me the specifics of this and, and uh, an ability to highlight this form of abuse, uh, because it needs to be talked about and recognized more for what it is. And that's why I wanted to have you on, uh, to talk about this yeah. stuff. So thank you, Anthony. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Uh, all, uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, and uh, there's a lot more. There's other things I could talk about for sure. Uh, yeah. Maybe we can do this again sometime. We'll Absolutely. see. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. You bet. You bet, man. And out there, um, I want your feedback. I want to hear what you have to think about and say about all of this, right? I know there's a lot of pro and a lot of anti-Catholic sentiment out there. This was not, and I hope I set this up properly. I hope you guys got it, that this was not some big anti-Catholic rant uh, for the whole hour. This was, you know, we're talking about abusive behavior within a group that I said at the get-go is not some big international destructive cult, okay? So, I hope we all remember that when we are <laughs> writing our, our comments uh, in response to this, right? We want to address abuse. And if abuse exists in any organization, it's wrong. If it exists in any church, it's wrong. We can do something about that, and we don't have to tear the whole thing or burn the whole thing down to the ground in order to solve that. Okay, so on that happy note... Thank you very much for coming around and listening to us gabber on about this. I very much appreciate your viewership and your support, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.